In today's episode of Crypto Over Coffee, the coolest and most caffeinated weekly crypto news show on the internet, I'm talking about how you can make money and keep the gains flowing even during a bear market. In addition, we've got our usual 404 Logic Not Found segment and a bunch of crypto news, so make sure you stick around for all the updates. And thank you to Onyx Coffee for the delicious coffee today, which I admittedly have already started drinking. Anyways, if you like crypto, please subscribe to the channel and hit the bell notification button or follow the podcast on your platform of choice so you can get a heads up whenever I post new episodes of Crypto Over Coffee on the YouTube channel or on the podcast. And better yet, if you are a subscriber and you leave a comment on the YouTube video, I will automatically enter you to win a random draw for a Keystone Pro hardware wallet. That's a random draw fed through the comments. And just a friendly reminder as well, please be aware of scammers that are in the comments on YouTube and across all social media impersonating me, trying to get you to send them money or personal info. I will ask you for none of those things. So if you get a weird message or you get a weird comment, just ignore it or report it. And please, please be safe. Quick coffee break to get us kicked off. And here we go. Now, as we came out of yet another rate hike of 50 basis points from the Federal Reserve meeting this past week, we had a really brief crypto rally, but that rally just as quickly fell apart. We sent right back down into the 30Ks for Bitcoin and fears continue now to build around an extended bear market for equities and crypto. There are lots of people now wondering whether they should just exit the market and wait until the tides turn positive again to try and make some profits in the markets. And there are also a lot of people who are really deep in the hole after buying local tops throughout the last year. And that happens all the time. However, if you've set yourself up for a bear market, you have a long time horizon ahead for your investments, or you have some capital set aside to work with in a bear market, you can still make profit during these uncertain times and during a full-fledged bear. Now, I'm going to outline a few of the ways that I've made money in previous crypto bear markets, what I plan to do in this crypto bear market, And these are strategies that require either no skills at all, or at least one that'll take a bit of practice to get good at. So make sure you're subscribed because I'm going to do detailed videos on each strategy and post them for free here on YouTube as I execute them. So the first couple that I want to talk about are ones that require no skills at all to do. The first is the most simple way to generate yield and profit during a bear market, especially during long periods of sort of sideways chop in the markets, and that is staking. If you have cryptocurrencies that you've committed to holding through a bear market with a long time horizon in mind, you can often stake that cryptocurrency or delegate it to a validator or stake pool on a proof of stake blockchain network to earn some yield in the range of 45 to 12%, depending on the protocol. As a passive staker, there's basically zero skill needed to do this. You simply set up a wallet by following those instructions, preferably cold storage, and then you stake or delegate those holdings on the network based on a guide that's available for each blockchain. So this is a great way to earn some yield and compound positions on your long-term holds. And a great example of this in my own portfolio is DOT. I have a long-term belief in Polkadot, so I'm just staking DOT and building up my stack passively over time. It's a no-brainer. It's passive. And with a little less downside risk on the underlying asset, you can also leverage stable coins within DeFi protocols like lending protocols and farms to earn yield on those stable coin assets as well. So sort of a counterpoint to staking. A great example of this is lending stable coins on something like Aave or farming stable coin yield on Curve Finance. I've personally been exploring some sustainable options on Avalanche, Polygon, and a little bit of Solana to reduce some of the fees that I have to pay as I shuffle things around to find the best yield 
using stable coins. And remember, DeFi has its own unique risks, so please know those in advance before doing this. And you can also participate though in new ecosystems to earn airdrops and new tokens where regulations allow. And ecosystems like Cosmos and Polkadot, for example, offer plenty of chances to earn tokens from new projects by participating in staking, parachain auctions, bonding, lending, all sorts of stuff. And I wanna mention also the tried and true method here, which is dollar cost averaging. You set a weekly or monthly predictable buy of your longest term, highest conviction cryptocurrency, and you build up that position. During a bear market, you're buying in at lower prices relative to what you likely believe it will be in the future, which brings down your average cost of acquisition and opens you up to potential profits when the markets turn around. In fact, I did this throughout the entire 2018 bear market period because I had debt that I was aggressively paying off and I didn't have the resources to make big lump sum buys at that time. And this strategy paid off big time for me and it took no skill besides choosing the coins I wanted to buy. And now there are mechanisms, of course, for profiting in a bear market that do require a bit of skill. And that skill is often only acquired by doing these things and making mistakes. So please be careful because you can lose out big time. But one strategy that you can employ when prices are volatile is scalp trading, where you basically are playing the fluctuations of a volatile cryptocurrency's price in a short time scale. For example, maybe you take a trade and buy a coin at a unit price of 40 cents, and within a few minutes, the price is 42 cents. So you sell that position for a two cent profit per unit, give or take. This is a highly simplified example, but you get the idea. You're playing the volatility of a given coin, and lots of research and time goes into the strategy, and it's not accessible for the passive crypto investor. You need to be at a desk, doing this, committing to it throughout the day, and researching heavily. It's a measure twice, cut once thing. So this takes a lot of practice to see the patterns and to get good at it, and you will lose no matter what at times. So it's still worth mentioning, but be careful. There is one that I wanna say not to do. One bear market investing strategy that you're gonna hear about is leverage or margin trading. And this is something that I almost never recommend, particularly for beginners that are trying to make up for their failure to sell at the top, okay? It's not as easy as it sounds. Leverage basically is marketed as a massive amplifier for wins, but it's also a massive amplifier of losses. And I see beginners torpedo their entire portfolio as they learn leverage trading all the time. And therefore, I don't recommend it to most people. If you're a savvy trader with good risk and cash management skills, great. But Otherwise, stay away from it. Those are the main ways that I will be working in crypto throughout a bear market cycle, if we get a full-fledged bear market, that is. But if something that you're gonna do in the bear market that's not on my list is something that you wanna share, leave it in the comments. I'd be very curious to see what other people are thinking about in terms of preparing for the bear market. In that same vein, I've also been preparing for crypto and equities bear markets in the sense that I'm trying to build up alternative investments. I'm diversifying my investments into uncorrelated assets that are not correlated to the performance of the traditional markets and in turn the crypto markets. And one such place that I've been doing that is with Masterworks, the sponsor of today's show. Masterworks provides its members access to fine art as an alternative investment. And based on research and art trends and value appreciation projections, Masterworks will purchase fine art and make it investable to Masterworks members only. 
and then that art is held over time until Masterworks finds the best time to sell it. And once that piece is sold, the returns are distributed amongst the investors. So if you wanna skip the waitlist and join Masterworks to check all this out and learn more, make sure to sign up using the link in the description where you can also find important disclosures related to the service and how it is constructed. In other news, I wanna highlight a pretty significant update to the media and content-focused blockchain project, Theta. So you guys have asked, I am listening, here's more content about Theta. So Theta recently outlined its plan to go live with the fourth iteration of its mainnet later this year in 2022, with this latest V4 iteration dubbed the MetaChain. Now, the crux of this upgrade is to achieve the level of scalability and flexibility that will be required for the vast community of media, content, and event organizations to use this network on a day-to-day -day basis for things like event ticketing, content platforms, streaming services, etc. The MetaChain concept is reminiscent of the sharded scaling designs that we've seen in the crypto space before, with a main blockchain that sort of interacts securely with a series of many smaller subchains that all manage their own volume and might have their own customized features. The spec for this MetaChain concept notes very clearly that it will be EVM compatible with T-Fuel or ThetaFuel, an existing utility for network resource usage on the network as a lever for execution on the MetaChain. Furthermore, the spec also calls out future plans to incorporate rollups into the network, probably not in the beginning, but later, which follows the increasing focus on rollups in the Ethereum ecosystem and around the crypto space. Everyone's talking about rollups. So Theta is often overlooked in the grand scheme of layer ones, probably because it's focused on a specific niche rather than being all purpose. But Theta has a pretty good grasp of the niche that it's in, and that can make a real difference in terms of tangible adoption going forward. So I'll be very curious to see how things pan out with this new MetaChain upgrade later this year. We'll have to keep a very close eye on that one. That was really weird. I don't know why I did that. Anyways, quick coffee break. In other news, this week is arguably one of the most significant in the history of Polkadot, the interoperability-focused network that is home to several purpose-built blockchains called parachains like Akala, Infinity, Moonbeam, and more. The reason is, it is super significant because the age of interoperability is now here with the launch of the Cross Consensus Messaging, or XCM, on Polkadot's mainnet. This XCM communications format is what enables the many heterogeneous blockchains or parachains to communicate with one another and facilitate broad sets of functionality. This is the multi-chain vision coming to life. Polkadot's relay chain is sort of the conduit for this XCM formatted messaging to facilitate communications between parachains and the different functional layers therein. But in the future, Another message format, dubbed XCMP, or cross-chain message passing, will enable direct parachain to parachain communication without the relay chain as a conduit or intermediary. The significance of this initial XCM format being launched is that Polkadot's now realized the original scope and vision for the multi-chain network itself, a series of unique parachains that are able to communicate with one another through the relay chain at the heart of Polkadot. From here, I would expect things to get quite a lot more interesting because the floodgates can now open for innovation and for the many parachains to realize their own goals now that the Polkadot network is wide open and ready to be built on. So for fans of Polkadot, the game is only just beginning and the age of interoperability across the space is very much upon us with Polkadot, Cosmos, Algorand, Icon, and many others driving forward solutions to this critical challenge in the space, which is really exciting to say the least. 
Now, if you are a frequent consumer of my content, and thank you if you are, you may remember that I did a deep dive of the awesome NFT-based game Avigachi, which is a fully on-chain, ghost-themed NFT ecosystem reminiscent of the old-school Tamagotchi games that many of us, including myself, had when we were kids. Now, as with many other games in the space, like Axie Infinity, for example, the cost of entry becomes really, really high because the scarcity of these NFT characters in-game make them really sought after and people want to play and they want to earn and they want to get access to tokens or resources in the game that they can sell later for a profit. And Avigachi is no different, but the introduction of Gachi lending is about to change that. Others have solved this issue of accessibility in their games through scholarships, quote unquote, basically lending the necessary NFTs to play the game via a third party platform. But this is often done off-chain, as they say, using a middleman and a third-party service, and it's hard for both the lender and the person trying to borrow the expensive assets due to fraud, friction, etc. So gachi lending is a mechanism that allows the owner of NFTs in the quote gachiverse to lend those NFTs to another player for a fixed payment up front plus a percentage share of any earnings that player makes whilst using the borrowed gachi NFTs. This process not only allows those who hold these NFTs but don't have time to use them an opportunity put to put those NFTs to work and actually earn something, but it also gives players that don't have the NFTs a chance to earn and play and potentially buy one of their own with their earnings. The key here is that this is all done on-chain via smart contracts. So there's no middleman, there's no third-party off-chain stuff to deal with. This is a great move and one that I hope is emulated on-chain for more play-to-earn NFT-based games. It's a game changer. But it is time for Rational Reactions, a segment on the show where I read headlines from crypto-related publications and give you my instant rational reaction. So let's go ahead and jump on over to the computer and get started with those and see what we've got in store stories-wise. And I'm going to go ahead and crush my coffee. So to those who always say, oh, you never finish your coffee, I am, even though it was like half done at the beginning. All right, coffee is complete. So here's the first story. It's from Cointelegraph. And it, the headline reads, Binance commits 500 million to co-invest in Twitter with Elon Musk. Binance is among 18 co-investors in Elon Musk's Twitter acquisition alongside firms like Sequoia Capital Fund and Fidelity Management and Research Company. There are a few things here. First of all, Binance jumping in is giving more and more credence to the fact that Twitter is going to be the town square for crypto of the future. It already has been. There's NFT profile pictures. There's there's uh, tipping with crypto, like you got Bitcoin in there. Twitter was already very crypto friendly. It's going to be even more crypto friendly now after this based on who's investing and who's going to be carrying forward and, and interjecting their vision for this. Now, I have no real full confirmation of this, but I did see a tweet from, uh, from Horowitz, uh, Ben Horowitz from Andreessen Horowitz, A16Z, saying they're jumping in on this deal as well. I have no confirmation of this, really, besides the tweet that I saw. So if someone has confirmation of that, please tell me. That's very interesting as well. That would be a bunch of people who are very crypto conscious, very crypto aware, maybe crypto friendly, that are going to have a big stake in Twitter. So I can imagine that Twitter may become the go-to place for crypto communities and it already has been for a while now, but I mean, you've got a big community on Reddit and other stuff like that. It's going to be really, really interesting to see what happens with Twitter going forward. The one thing that I will say is that 
I don't want big companies like Binance becoming like the Googles of the world and, and like really influencing the social media side of the crypto space because they already have coin market cap. They've got a lot of information capital already, but maybe I'm being a little bit harsh on Binance. Just saying. So those are my thoughts. What do you think? Let me know in the comments. Second story of the day is from the Wall Street Journal. Haven't had a Wall Street Journal on here in a while. Senator Elizabeth Warren questions Fidelity's plans to put Bitcoin in 401ks. In letter to CEO, Warren and other senators, or another senator, excuse me, say the plan is too risky. This is related to a story that I actually talked about last week, where Fidelity Investments is going to give those who run their retirement plans through Fidelity the opportunity to get exposure in their plan so employers can offer employees the option to gain exposure to Bitcoin in their 401k. So a long-term focused investment in Bitcoin in the 401k. So of course, Elizabeth Warren, the person who seems to hate crypto the most, is saying again that this is too risky. Now here's here's the issue I have. If you really like break it out, you look at Bitcoin's decade plus history, right? Where we've really been paying attention. The long-term performance of Bitcoin has been really darn good, right? You can't argue with that over a 10-year period, a five-year period, a three-year period. The returns are pretty good. If you look at the isolated year or month, maybe not so good. So it's the short-term investors that get crushed in crypto. People who are looking to get rich quick, they don't get rich quick. The price tanks 30% and then they jump out because they aren't getting rich. Those are the people who get hurt really badly in crypto. And a lot of times it's with altcoins, right? All speculative stuff with low market cap, high manipulation. This is not that. These are long-term investment decisions that need to have disclosures, right? Bitcoin is volatile. It's risky. It's speculative. Yeah, sure. That's great. So are stocks. Stocks also have issues. The stock market's not been doing so hot right now. My retirement 401k plan that's heavily in equities ain't doing so well right now. So the reality is I take offense, not offense, I take issue from a philosophical perspective that Fidelity is doing wrong by giving people exposure to the most well-established and, and clearly uh, data-driven crypto investment that they can do right now. They're not giving you access to some speculative altcoin, but that's the issue. I'm confused by that, to be honest with you. Yeah, Bitcoin's risky, so are stocks. The disclosure should be the same. You can lose all your money. Be careful. Be smart. Don't invest all your money in Bitcoin if you have to retire in six months or a year because you may not be ready. It makes sense. Just disclose it, make it very clear the risks, and move on. There doesn't need to be all this drama about it. And lastly, we've got a story from Coindesk. The headline reads this. California governor signs executive order to spur crypto industry in the state. The order prompts the creation of a regulatory framework for blockchain technologies and crypto financial assets. I must say, despite the fact that California is like the tech hub or, or has been the tech hub of the United States for a long time and the world of fintech, I was surprised at this. First of all, because crypto has kind of not been that deep in, in its enmeshment or cooperation with the established tech companies that are there. It's sort of like web three versus web two, web two being like the old technology, big tech companies. But that aside, you also think about it politically. Everyone wants to politicize everything. And for some reason, crypto has been lumped into this very conservative view, which I don't really agree with. There's no need to politicize everything. It doesn't make any sense. 
So I was very surprised that California took this route and is, is trying to spur innovation and adoption of crypto with a regulatory framework. More states should be doing this, not, oh, more states should regulate crypto. More states should say, we are willing to have this conversation, bring people to the table. We want to understand this better, build a regulatory framework that lets us have businesses build here, innovate here. We get the tax dollars and the people benefit, right? We're innovating now and we are giving you a space to innovate and build these cool things here. More states should be doing that. And the reality is, is that states are not doing that and it doesn't make any sense to me. So I don't know what you think about this. If you live in California, I'd be very curious to see your thoughts or to hear your thoughts on this. So if you're in California, do you think this is a good idea? Are you excited about this? Or are you thinking, oh, the California government's not gonna do anything right on this one? Very curious to hear it. But anyways, that's gonna do it for the stories that we've got today on Rational Reactions. But we do have a little bit of illogical stuff to talk about next. Now, ladies and gentlemen, it is time for 404 Logic Not Found. And for those of you who are as of yet uninitiated in this little firecracker of a segment, I highlight notable tech-related fails, totable, or otherwise stupid moves in the world that need to get some attention. Speaking of attention, if you want to help this video, this episode of Crypto Over Coffee get some attention from the algorithm robots, please hit like. You can get subscribed to the YouTube channel. You can follow the podcast. You can share it with a friend. Just tell that algorithm that these are the droids that you're looking for and the algorithm will share it out to more people. So thank you for that in advance. Now this week, I wanna draw attention to a recent piece of news out of the Securities Exchange Commission, better known as the SEC. This week, it was announced that the SEC would be basically doubling its crypto enforcement team. And this would be more likely than not in order to crack down on fraud related to various areas of crypto. There were actually some specifics called out like staking and lending platforms, decentralized finance services, stable coins, and NFTs. This is yet another example now of the SEC continuing to double down on policing the cryptocurrency space. And it seems they're pretty proud of the litany of cases that they've brought against crypto related companies already to date. Now, I've been very clear about this. I support clear rulemaking and sensible regulation in the crypto space, limited but sensible, within reason, right? That's the key. And I say that because there are a ton of scumbags and scammers and fraudsters in this space that need to be weeded out. And we as a community haven't done a great job of doing that. Clear rules that give space for innovation and free markets but leave no room for criminals is the holy grail of rulemaking. And that should be the goal and it is achievable. However, the SEC beefing up enforcement manpower in the absence of clear rules and regulations is literally the polar opposite of what's ethical and intelligent and means to further that goal. Without having clear rules, people with zero criminal intent who are simply building technology in their vision for the future are at constant risk of enforcement action and have to spend countless dollars on lawyers and compliance personnel to mitigate some of that risk. The SEC doubling down on enforcement without clear rules and regulations is like holding a big board game tournament in a city without telling people the rules of the games they're playing in advance. So then when everyone's playing the games, having fun, figuring it out at the board game tournament, you just have dudes in suits punishing people for not playing the games according to the rules that no one knows in advance. I mean, there are areas where it's obvious that someone has done something wrong. Rug pulls and scams, very clear. But there are plenty more where it's a serious gray area with no clear policy 
and seemingly no desire to make clear policy. For the SEC to be engaging in enforcement action in the absence of clarifying these gray areas, they're regulating or rulemaking by enforcement. And that's not only unethical, it's antithetical to the mission of making safer markets for retail investors and the average Joe. This is a huge 404 logic not found. You don't make the rules as you go, and you certainly don't do so via enforcement action against people who very well may not be able to defend themselves adequately. Something has to change here, and it has to change quickly, because this is becoming a circus of missteps that have not adequately moved the needle on stamping out fraud and scams, but instead have potentially set us on the path to stifled innovation and unbridled fear of enforcement action from many crypto companies and projects and product teams that exist in and out of the United States. That's an issue. And here's some food for thought. Why is it allowed that I see five mobile app sportsbook gambling commercials when I'm watching the NBA playoffs on TV that are literally pushing retail investors to quite literally gamble on sports? but retail investors aren't allowed to make their own choices in the crypto market because it's a casino. It seems a little bit of a conundrum to me that you're equating gambling being completely legal and allowed and advertised to crypto, but crypto shouldn't be allowed to operate freely. It's bizarre to me. But anyways, today's crypto Q&A is brought to you by iTrust Capital, where US-based crypto investors can invest in a crypto tax advantaged account within an individual retirement account. If you want to add crypto to your long-term crypto investing toolkit, you can earn $100 in Bitcoin as a funding bonus by signing up via the link in the description. And remember, please, please, please know the risks. If you have a question that you want answered in future episodes of Crypto Over Coffee, by the way, leave them in the comments on YouTube or tweet me at Hashoshi4 so I can answer your question on a future show. Thank you in advance. Let's go ahead and dive into these questions and see what we've got on the books today. All right. First question is from Ivalo Trekov. If this is already the bear market, or we are soon to have it, plus a recession, what is your strategy for crypto? Go all in on USD, or are you keeping some crypto no matter what happens to its price? I will have crypto no matter what happens to its price. I have long-term conviction plays. I will make a video about those. I'm sorry I haven't done it. It's been a little crazy for me. I promise I will. I will have those plays like I talked about earlier in the video. I'm going to be building positions during the bear market, dollar cost averaging and staking. Simple as that. That's a big one. I also do have a pretty good stack of USDC. So uh, USD coin, a stable coin, using that to earn some yield on those stable coins, but also using that in order to have cash set aside to facilitate dollar cost averaging or do a little bit of trading if I want to do a little bit of trading as we go, if I've got some time. That's basically my philosophy. I'm not going all in on USD because of all the inflation that we're seeing right now. You have high inflation. I don't want a big fat savings account that's losing me value in a 12-month period or in a monthly period. I don't want my spending power to be eroded, so I need to offset that in as many ways as I can. So I'm doing a lot of alternative investing, Masterworks, VinoVest, a handful of other things that I'm using to just protect my spending power insulate myself from the traditional markets and things like that. That's my approach. If we go into recession, there's only so much that you can do. All asset markets will likely be hurt, but you can do a little bit, at least as much as you can to insulate yourself, wait it out, come out on the other end. These things always end. Okay. Not financial advice. Okay. We all know this already. Uh, next question is from C Sipes 1983. 
<clears throat> What's the worst case scenario as it concerns regulation for U.S. crypto holders? If off-ramping to fiat via centralized exchanges were made illegal, what other options would holders have? Wait for new favorable laws or find black market brokers? Now, I'm not going to tell you how to work around laws because it's all speculation and that's really not something that I'm here to do. The reality is I actually don't think that there is an appetite to outright ban crypto in even the most anti-crypto environments, to be honest, because they know it won't work. What I think is more likely is there will be the at least an attempt, like you're seeing in the EU and in some legislation that hasn't really passed in the US, to apply regulatory frameworks to crypto that just don't fit, that aren't compatible. Like saying DeFi developers have to do KYC and provide disclosures for every transaction that happens on the network, okay? Not possible. No one will ever be able to comply with that. It's just not feasible. And so in that case, the answer is then you just can't operate here or you can't operate in any place where it interacts with US investors. That's the more likely scenario that reg a stupid regulatory framework is applied that just doesn't fit. I actually don't think that will stick because I think that there will be an attempt to pass it that will end up being fought vehemently by lobbyists and just by average people like you and I to basically say, hey, that can't work. Here's the reasons why this is not fair. It's not constitutional, whatever that is. And I think that's how it will play out. Maybe there's an attempt, maybe there's not. But I think that's the worst regulatory outcome. An outright ban won't work. They know that. Every, every country knows that. Prohibition just doesn't work. But I do think that there could be a chance that regulatory frameworks that don't fit with crypto or tried to are, are force fit. That's an issue. So we'll see what happens. Hard to predict, but that's my thought. And the last question here of the day is from Dylan Maggiano. If the market cap of BTC is, say, 500 billion and someone buys 500 billion in Bitcoin, will the price of Bitcoin double? Now, this was an interesting one. I hadn't really thought of, to be honest. If the market cap is 500 billion and someone buys 500 billion, does that double the price? To me, I think no, because pricing is played out in many ways. It factors supply and demand, available circulating supply, how much demand there is elsewhere, selling pressure versus buying pressure, who's buying, who's selling and where, how assets are priced is like a big black hole. I also don't think that at any given time, this would even make sense because you can't buy $500 billion worth of Bitcoin at any given time. Like there's not enough supply at any time to do that. That's the big thing that I'm thinking about. You couldn't even feasibly make that type of buy. But let's say even if you could, even if you could, I don't think it would mean you instantly, you make that purchase and the price doubles because I think market cap is derivative of price and not vice versa in many ways. Market cap is calculated by the supply multiplied by the unit price. The price doesn't necessarily always follow the market cap. A lot of people say that it does, doesn't really. I mean, yeah, people look at market cap when they're making investing decisions. This is a really interesting one. I'm gonna have to do a little bit more thinking on this and maybe someone who has a really good understanding of how assets like this are priced in the open market, which is kind of a nebulous topic to me. Let me know in the comments how that works. Maybe. Uh, if you want to record a video, send it to me and I'll put it on the show for someone to watch and listen to next time around, all in the name of learning. So thank you for your question. Short answer is, I don't think it would double the price, but we'll have to find out. Now, I want to thank you so much for watching this and every other episode of Crypto Over Coffee. If you have some time to stick around, I'll leave another episode of the show here for you to watch, just in case you want to get a little bit more crypto information for free, of course. And most of all, I want to 
wish you and your family a wonderful weekend and week ahead. And until next time, cheers.